0: Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, this is the Don't Punt Hour with former Nebraska receiver, throwing over the middle, completes the pass, he's got speed to the end zone, touchdown, 45 yards, and return specialist, this time he beats the kicker in one more. De Mornay Pearson only does the sideline have confidence in Pearson, El, but Pearson El has confidence in Pierconnell. On 937, the ticket and the ticketfm.com.
1: All right, welcome back into Ticket Weeknights. I'm Harrison Arns on the ones and twos back here at the 1040 Ticket Studios on a cold, cold Wednesday night. Uh, but it's starting to get a little warmer out there. We got Nebraska basketball on the TV as they're facing Rutgers. It's currently halftime, but they're able to tie it up to 36 to 36 before heading into locker room at half. And of course, we have DeMornay Personnel, host of the show for the Dump not Punt Hour as always, uh, and again on the L O V I P line, where they really understand the importance of exceptional service with a local heart. Good morning, Pearsonell. How's it going?
0: It's going good. Yourself?
1: Not too bad. It, it's finally starting to get a little warmer out here, and of course, we have Nebraska basketball uh, on as well. And for any of you those listening out there, we will have the post game show for that one as well. So usually around eight o'clock, two hours after the game, maybe a little past that, but roughly. Around 8 o'clock, we will have Jake Bachman, possibly Eric Strickland as well for the Nebraska basketball post-game show as well as Dylan after that one. But yeah, the morning personnel, it's morning, Pierce. uh it's been good. It's been more Husker-related news. I want to get your thoughts on some of these. Uh, the first one, I think probably the biggest piece of information since the last time we spoke, Nebraska hires Glenn Thomas. He's worked with Matt Rule before. He's going to be taking that co-offensive coordinator position as well. As the QB coach, Satterfield will get to kind of uh, relinquish some of his duties, and will be moving on to the running backs coach, kind of like he was in the past. Thoughts on Glenn Thomas, who's had years with Matt Rule in the past. His latest stop was with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Um, you know, I haven't really dove too much into him uh, j- just yet, but uh, from my understanding and from what you know, people have reached out and said some things to me and everything like that. Um. It's a pretty solid fit. Um, you got you know a person who's more inclined to to you know bring along you know young talented kids. Um, he was in a spot with Coach Tomlin, and you know Coach I I like Coach Tomlin a lot. Uh, so you know I'm, I'm happy to have him on staff. Happy that you know he's in in that room. It's a it's, it's a young room. It's a inexperienced room. So um, you know hopefully you know he hits the ground running and, and you know things are fine on all
0: cylinders.
1: Yep. And uh I think the key here is his experience with Matt Rule in the past. And I'll ask it to the starter Heyman text line four oh two four six four five six eight five. How much does this move the needle for Husker football fans? You get a quarterback coach that I think most people were arguing you needed. You have two elite eleven QBs. Yes, I know I've said that a hundred times, but I think it's important. You got two elite eleven QBs. Um, and now you have a guy who's done it before, he's been at that position. Uh you know, maybe there's some concern because his last stop was the Pittsburgh Steelers as a quarterback coach. And you can argue that wasn't a great development, but you can also argue that there wasn't a lot of talent in that room to begin with. So I'm not going to grade him too much on his stop at Pittsburgh, but just a quick update on his history. As we get to know the coach who's worked with Matt Rule in the past, he worked for Texas Tech as a student assistant. That was kind of his first run, 98 to 2000, Midwestern State as a graduate assistant, 01 to 03. Then he makes his way to Midwestern State in 04, and he becomes the quarterbacks coach there. And then from offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Midwestern State, 05 to 07. Then he goes on to the Atlanta Falcons as an offensive assistant. And then he takes the quarterbacks coach as the Falcons. And then this is where you get his first stop with Matt Rule. Then he gets to Temple 2015, same time Matt Rule. He becomes the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So he's filling that same role. At What he did at Temple Baylor, same thing, co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, uh, the exact same role he had with Matt Rule. So Matt Rule, he's getting some more guys that he's used to in the past. Um, And to me, I feel like it's a good hire. You have a guy who's had history with Matt Rule and you have two quarterbacks that if you're being honest, um, I think it's a very wise to get a quarterbacks coach. Do you think that even if it's not Glenn Thomas, that's not the guy you wanted? Did Nebraska need to make this move to go ahead and get a quarterbacks coach before we get into the fall season?
2: I think so. Absolutely. Um, I mean, look at, you know, what they had, um, you know, in the room last year. I'm not, you know, pointing all fingers to Satterfield and saying it's his fault. Um, you know, you, you evaluated talent wrong. and I mean, sometimes people miss on things, which is okay. Um, but, I mean, the translation of, you know, they're of uh, Having you know what they might have done good or okay, um, and it wasn't all the way there, so um, I think you know, with, with younger quarterbacks coming into it, uh, somebody you know who's a little bit more hands on, uh, with stuff and everything like that, uh, can be definitely you know a good thing,
1: yep. And uh, it's gonna be interesting to see because again, we kind of talked about it right, Baylor was this Glenn Thomas's last stop, but I'm right with you, I think we needed a quarterback's coach. It's been too many times where. Um, With Scott Frost, we kind of saw the quarterback's coach, and I think it scared people. We saw so much regression with our quarterbacks when Scott Frost was the head coach, whether it was the quarterback coach itself or Scott Frost or just a talent personnel problem. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of progress. And this season, the same thing. It's been a lot of years of Nebraska quarterbacks having great kind of starts, maybe a great start to one game or a great overall season in the Adrian Martinez case, and then it all seems to go downhill despite spending more time at a Power 5 program you don't see a ton of development. So I think this is big. Um, And again, that Paler from 2017 to 2019 was that last time he worked with Matt Rule. Then he'd go to UNLV, same role there. Arizona State, same role there. Uh, And then Pittsburgh Steelers, he'd be just an offensive assistant, relinquished the quarterbacks coach. And of course, 2024, present co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Nebraska. What do you think that Satterfield's role uh, is going to shift into a little bit more now. Now that you have a co-offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach, that's obviously going to take some things away from Satterfield. And does that kind of worry you at all? Because we have seen co-offensive co coordinators in other schools, and it hasn't always worked the best. You just saw Minnesota this year kind of first time trying it. Uh, they, they, they get into bowling, but they only get five wins out of it. Is there any concern for Satterfield as he kind of fits into this new role?
2: Um, I thought Satterfield would be moving, uh, and still, um, like working more closely with the tight ends, not running backs, or am I
1: wrong? Yeah, it's tight ends. If I said running backs, it's tight ends. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not concerning because, you know, the tight ends needed a coach as well. Um, so it's all a team, you know, and people have their own individual parts and everything like that uh it didn't say you know where we're relinquishing, you know him from his duty uh you know it, he'll still have input on the things and everything like that um and I'm pretty sure you know uh the the new guy that's coming in he's already been in this role and everything like that and understands how things you know might um go and whatnot so I don't I don't fear for for Satterfield because I think he can still get the things out of, uh, you know, what he went with, you know, calling his plays and airing things out and whatnot. Um, it's just more so, you know, extra attention on a very young and fragile room. So um, I don't think it's a disrespect to him. I don't think it's, you know, a bad thing or whatnot. Um, you know, it's just that, that, that room needed a little bit more attention than what he was given, and, you know, they went and got it. So um, if you look at it from that perspective, I don't think, you know, he should – feel uh lesser about the situation he's not losing money he's really not losing you know uh a station uh, of what he is it's just you know it getting it's getting more attention to the room they didn't we did, they didn't say he's not calling plays you know what i'm saying so um as long as you know he feels comfortable with the stuff and everything like that uh you know he'll get things um rolling or whatnot and arguably you know this could be an audition you know for if he does well with this and everything like that and everything takes off or whatnot, he can go get, you know, full-time co- uh, offensive coordinator job somewhere else if he, if he's not feeling it or, or, or you know, so um, it's an opportunity for him. So I don't think, um, you know, he doesn't want something negative or to dim, you know, his, his resume uh, for the future.
1: Yep. And to your point, uh, these guys have worked before as we keep kind of pointing back to these connections, Baylor um, Satterfield also spent time at Baylor with Matt rule. And of course, Glenn Thomas as well. So all three of these guys have worked together before. So I am going to say this now with some confidence. I don't think there's going to be too many awkward situations among the coaches on who's what's responsibility. These guys have all done it before. They've worked with each other before. So I think there's pretty good conversations heading into it. And, of course, knowing each other's previous work history, you kind of know what to expect. When you've worked with a guy for exactly. years, um, there shouldn't be too much. I know I don't even want to say tension. There shouldn't be too much figuring it out once you get in the room because mm-hmm. you, you've done been there before. Um, and, again, under Satterfield, it'll give him time, kind of go back to what he's been comfortable with. He's going to be a tight ends coach, which is good because this is another room now where you look at the guys we have in the tight end room. You're going to want to make sure the development there is strong as well. I think that's a group for Mm -hmm. Nebraska that can have a ton of strength, especially you talk about a guy in Carter Nelson out of Ainsworth, what he can be a four-star right now. He played eight-man football, but despite that showed a lot of physicality in his bowl game appearance. So again, plenty of exciting things for Nebraska football as they get Glenn Thomas as the new co-offensive coordinator and uh, quarterback coach. With that being said, now that we have this quarterback coach in place, does it feel like we're kind of building up to Dylan Raiola is going to be given the spot, no matter what here. I don't want to say the coaches are going to hand it to him, but I think it's safe to assume that the coaches are going to definitely poise him to go ahead and be that quarterback leading the charge here for Nebraska. I have a hard time believing any other quarterback starting over Dylan Raiola.
2: Uh, I mean, exactly. Like, they're, they're putting all their eggs, you know, in that basket. He's the number one recruit. Uh, you know he's a, probably the most one of the most if not you know in the last ten, fifteen years probably the most you know highly recruited for sure quarterback you know that we've landed so yeah uh, <laughs> it's it, 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 it's his show I mean, you would be a blind man to not you know see the writing on the wall um but I mean, you know with that said, like just understand expectations and understand you know uh, what the situation is, you know it's a uh, up and rising, you know, uh, uh, it's uh it's going to be an older offensive line. Uh, so I mean, they've worked together and everything like that, injuries and whatnot. Um, so you got to figure out that they got to jail together, um, and you got a, a, a red shirt. I'm not a red shirt. I mean, you got a true freshman quarterback. Come, you, you got two true freshman quarterback that will probably be playing both. but Both of them will be playing because I, I don't see nobody else that's there. So I mean, it's going to take time you know for the game to adjust and slow down and for them to get stuff we're just not going to hit the ground running and it's the greatest thing you've ever seen and everything like that so understand you know what expectations should be
1: yeah that's a key point right there what should the expectation should be I think that number is going to move around quite a bit as we get closer to the season what is that number of wins that makes you feel comfortable as a Husker football fan that this program is finally heading in the right direction I think five wins is maybe enough to. Think positively, but not be certain if they can pop off, you know, eight wins next season. Uh, whether you think that's high or not, I don't think it's that outrageous. Kind of looking at the schedule next year, there is a route for Nebraska. Again, as a fan, I'm lucky enough to do this where I can point to a seven and 0 start as a football player. If you're on that roster, I hope you're not looking ahead at all, but you look at the schedule, it doesn't seem, you know, that tough. It's really the last five games, but I do think if this Nebraska football team can get off to a hot start, uh, that's going to be the thing to kind of finally change the tide of this ship that's just been consistently losing close game after close game. Demarney Pearson, if you had to pinpoint what the cultural problem for Nebraska has been over the past decade, because um, we've kind of talked about it before, but the turnover margins and not being able to close out games with Matt Rule, Scott Frost, Mike Riley, Bo Pelini, doesn't matter pick one. Close games have been a problem for us. Bo Pelini, obviously having the best record with that, it was just he struggled against really the better teams. Um, but do you think with Matt Rule and this talent pool around us that this culture of the close games is finally going to be fixed in this upcoming season? Or do you think there's something deeper going on than just pure talent?
2: Um, I still think it's too early to say that with just one year and one showing. Uh, from what we've seen, Um, I like the direction it's going. Um, The kids are playing confident. The kids are playing fast. Uh, they're being physical. Um, there, this is year two, so you'll see a lot more comfortability coming um, out there. You, you know where you're supposed to be at, you know what to look for. Um, so, and last year we were three games away from, you know, we were inconsistent and we're still only, you know, we lost three games with, with not being consistent at all. I mean, so if you can get consistent play from the quarterback uh, room, you got playmakers that, you know, they step up and do what they're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, we take a a good step, a positive step Uh, this year. You know, um, there's no telling necessarily how many wins Um, because, I mean, if your defense shows up how it showed up last year, um, I'll take it. And, you know, if we can produce and keep, you know, a consistency on the offensive side and just, you know, do what we're supposed to do and take care of the ball. Um, it'll, it'll be fine, but, uh, it's hard to say, you know, necessarily what the problem is. And you got different coaches that then came in here, different types of philosophies, different types of players and whatnot. It's all one big mixing bowl. Um, so I think now, uh, you know, the players are finally being able to be seen, uh, they're finally, you know, coming together, uh, under one roof again. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, we'll see, you know, they, they, they've they been battle-tested. Last year, they, they were battle-tested. And I think, you know, this upcoming year, uh, you'll see that they'll take the next step with that. And those close games that, you know, we were a possession away or didn't make this play here or two turnovers or three turnovers in the game and still almost, you know, one score out of it, I think that's when, um, you know, that they've been in that position before, they've seen it before. And instead of, you know, it going the opposite way, Uh, we're we're the defining factor and, you know, instead of losing, we'll
1: win. Yep. And I I just think it's some of those games, those key games that Nebraska really needs. And I think they do have, they're starting to get the talent, uh, you know, again, they're, they're nowhere near your Michigans, Ohio States, Bama's, Georgia's, whatever it may be. They You have to have four or five stars underneath your starters to kind of get to that type of level. But nonetheless, I think they're good enough to where they can finally have some feel good wins, some runs, some momentum. When we get to November, we, you don't want to be playing that football where you're just getting worried if you're going to make it to a bowl game or not. If they can just have some games uh, finally start to go their way, which I think with the talent they have, you got Glenn Thomas. That's going to help a lot in that quarterback room. It's going to help Satterfield maybe focus in a little more on what he wants this football team to be. Um, so, yeah, plenty of good things happening for the football team, at least in terms of off-season victories. And, of course, for Nebraska basketball, good things happening for them as well as Steve Peichel in the Rutgers team, uh, Rutgers basketball are currently down to Nebraska right now uh, by about a ten point game as they just took the score away from me. I believe it is a fifty-six to. Well, we'll just hold on that and just wait for this free throw to get over here. If you guys want to join the show, 402, here we go. 43 to 50. That is the score. Nebraska's up by seven. And if you guys want to join the show, 402 464 5685 is the starter Heyman text line. We'll go ahead and throw it to break here on this segment of the Don't Pun Hour. We got Demorne Pearson now on the yellow VIP line, who will be joining me through the stream on the second segment if you want to put a face to the voice. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Don't Punt Hour on 93.7 a ticket and the ticket Here is your host, Demorne Pearson. All
1: right. Welcome back into Ticket Week Nights. I'm Harrison Arns on the ones and twos. This is the Don't Punt Tower. We got the Mornay Pearson L. You can now put a face to the voice through Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Allo, channel 961. And again, that's Allo 961 all the way through Nebraska. If you got Allo Cable, you got ticket content on 961. But nonetheless, the Mornay Pearson As we continue to watch Nebraska basketball up ahead. And again, we will have the post-game show for that one. Jake Bachman just walked through the doors not too long ago getting set up for that, but I want to switch to the NFL before we get to our Nebraska basketball post game. We haven't had a chance to talk because we had high school basketball last night, but the Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Eagles at one point were 10 and one, and then they go on to lose five of the last six games of the regular season. And they get bounced out in the wild card round to what was considered one of the worst divisions in the NFL this year, Tampa Bay, Uh, Tampa Bay's at home, Baker mania, just able to drive the ball as easily as they wanted to and what really stuck out about the eagles was they just couldn't tackle i've never seen a team that was so good defensively miss so many much needed tackles in open space if it was a one-on-one situation you could almost bet on that eagles player not making the tackle but maybe i'm being a little too harsh what did you see <laughs> okay i got a head shake give me your thoughts
2: um it was really sad you know uh some of those guys, some of those guys, uh, Pierce,
1: no, I'm not catching your, your, your audio near Go ahead and say that one more time.
2: Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
1: Perfect. Perfect.
2: Got you. Um, it's, it was, it was really sad because, you know, some dudes on that team were actually working hard. Um, and for whatever reasons, you know, dudes were just not, they weren't there. I don't know if they were ready to go or if it was can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you just great.
2: I don't know if they were, you know, ready to go or over it, um, but uh, just missing simple assignments, simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't anything big. They just weren't doing, you know, the small things right, and those small things ended up, you know, turning into huge things. Um, and, it, and it, it, the defense. I, I'm not saying everybody wasn't wasn't ready to play, but um, it was just a not a group effort at all.
1: Yeah. And you saw that with the just the missed tackles. You know, Not only were they missing on the first one, then you're leaving your safeties on a one-on-one situation with a Trey Palmer at full speed. It's just tough situation after tough situation. You didn't see a whole lot of unity there. And the adjustments, too. The, the Buccaneers were totally cool just playing man coverage, which felt like all night long, and blitzing on about every single down. Jalen Hurts got pressured so many times in that game, and the Eagles just didn't really ever look like they adjusted. You know, they're, they're totally cool with it. Um, Buccaneers, a team that was okay. Offensively was not great at all defensively. And as the Eagles, again, you're 10 and one at one point in the season, you only scored nine points. Is this a Nick Sirianni thing? Is this a hurts? Is this, you know, a collective problem? And is there any big moves? Nick Sirianni who went to the Super Bowl last year is now quote unquote on the hot seat, which I'm not moving on. Uh, but there's definitely some problems up in Philadelphia
2: media sales tickets so if you have a hot headline you know it a it, sale um i don't think Sariana is on a, on a hot seat um at the end of the day you did win 10 games in nfl that's that's not easy yeah,
1: um, and you went to the Super Bowl again last year you, you
2: the team collectively just didn't take care of business and you didn't win the division you know what one or two games out away from winning the, the division um it's a combination of things. Uh, one, I don't think guys on the offensive side just came ready to play. It, again, it was smaller, s- small, you know, mess ups running into each other. It's weak. It, you know, it's playoffs. Like, so you telling me all y'all, you, you ran that in practice and that didn't happen once or you didn't fix it. Um, you know, the blitz pickup, I understand. You You got to know who you're playing with. You got to know, you know, how how they're going to handle situations. Um checking audibles, uh, audibles um, at the line, giving, you know, different receivers routes and everything like that. I just don't think they that, that collectively, like that, you know, the offense put their best foot forward um, and played their best football and ended up, you know, biting them um, and, and losing. Um, I don't think it's necessarily all on Ceriani, Um, but preparation and operation were terrible. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And that's not, you know, on always the coach, you know, that the athletes have to play. I mean, have to play. So um, I I put a percentage on, you know, some of those players on the offensive side, I put a percentage, you know, on uh, Jalen and certain things. And then I, you know, I put a percentage on, you know, the coach necessarily not making sure that, you know, the guys are ready, you know, for that type of environment and everything.
1: Yeah, it, you know, this some other things to point out too. The reason why I think I'm with you, Sirianni, I'm not going to panic on him. This is you lose your two, your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, you lose your OC um, in February. That's a little that's tough. That's tough to do for, for any system.
2: It's yeah. a new system,
1: and it really right. shows, like you were saying, like the new system, uh, trying to learn in that one. As we got one, uh, from the text line, nobody repeats in the east from Brad. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty good statement. If you think about it, it doesn't really happen too much. But out of those games, because there's one more I want to get to, and I want you to tell me which fan base is in a bigger world of problems. Because the Dallas Cowboys got to be thanking the Eagles for having that type of performance, because it did take some of that bad spotlight away from them. But the Cowboys, we had to had a chance to talk about, but their showing was just as ugly. That game was over before that first half ended. It, it felt mm-hmm. like so you have two disastrous games, two teams that were playing incredibly well uh one that was the best offense of the league one you know one of the best running games the best offensive line wherever you want to call it two horrible showings which mm-hmm. team uh has bigger problems to worry about in the near future Dallas
2: <laughs> Dallas it's not close it's not um you've had arguably for the last past four Maybe five years on paper, a Super Bowl team. At, at least, at least three to four. Yep. Um. You've had a Super Bowl team. You know. You've done all the right things. You have a, a a top five defense. You got you know a true number one wide receiver with Cooper or with Lamb. Um. You had a you know you had a horse, um, with Zeke in the backfield and everything like that. Um. Dallas is in. Dallas is in for it. I, I'm I'm concerned about them because you. Play great football all throughout the year. You're hitting in strides and everything like that. And when the lights come on, you choke.
1: Yep. And we'll just go through the years here. Uh so obviously you, did,
2: you you've had the same offensive co- well, no, a different offensive coordinator, but still, you know, McCarthy was still calling plays these last three years, and you still end up in the same position for the last three years at home out of the first round. Uh Dallas has it worse than than Philly.
1: Yep. I think they got to make some moves here. Um does Belichick show up working with Jerry Jones? Because McCarthy can't be staying, I don't think. Uh, that, they, just,
2: they, they just came out and said uh he he's on he's uh he has one more year he has one more uh year on this deal. He's fine, he's fine this year, but uh I mean it's Jerry's Bill's, world. Anything yeah. anything can happen. I,
1: I have a hard time just because I don't know if Belichick would want to work in Jerry's world. You know, he seems like the uh, guy that's gonna respect that's not gonna wanna have Jerry Jones over his shoulder.
2: But you know, Jerry does that. I, I feel like Jerry would kind of taper that back a little bit because what Bill brings to the table. Okay, you, you truly will with all those stars and everything like that, like you will have probably the number one or number two defense. Um Jerry, I mean, uh, you know, Belichick will bring somebody in there on the offensive side to get to get things done, but they won't lose lose games because they they're they're getting you know, blown off the ball or not prepared for stuff. So um, I feel like, you know, as long as you're hitting certain things and whatnot, you know, he Jerry might poke the bear here and there, but I feel like, you know, they'll have a conversation and understand, you know, where that boundary is if that were to happen.
1: Yeah, I I just, when, when I think of Jerry Jones, I just have a hard time seeing that guy with any kind of ability to let go a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Russell Westbrook in the NBA. You know, I love Russell Westbrook shout out to him, but I think that guy, he still wakes up in the mirror every day thinking I'm the best player that ever was. And you know what? Shout out to him. But I think Jerry Jones kind of wakes up. I don't know if you'd be looking at Belichick, like, you know, I, I owe you all this respect. I think he'd still kind of have that edge where you owe me the respect. I'm the owner. Nonetheless, could be interesting. Maybe Belichick takes a year hiatus and then comes back and as a Cowboys coach, I don't see it. I see um, him just retiring as a whole or maybe headed somewhere else but I don't think it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Atlanta, Is Dak Prescott gone? Go ahead. Is Dak Prescott gone? Can they keep doing this? Cause they're in a tough situation. Cause he's not a bad quarterback.
2: I was, I was having, I was having this conversation yesterday or two days ago. You have a first round quarterback sitting behind you. Who's on a rookie year. Who's on, he's still on his rookie contract. So meaning they don't have to break the bank to, to, to pay him. Mm-hmm. And even if it was his contract year, you don't have to break the bank to pay him because he's really hasn't proved much other than he's injury prone. So Dak is a Dak is in a pickle because um, your replacement is right behind you and he's 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 more athletic than you. He can he can probably run the ball better than you. He's more he has a stronger arm than you. I don't know about accuracy and whatnot and everything like that. Um, so it might be time to turn the page and you know give the give the give the young guy a chance and and let and let you know get their get their money's worth that's why Jerry Wynn got him uh at a at a fairly marketable I mean fair a fair price for 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 trading i think he got like a third round and maybe a fifth round for first mm-hmm. for, for for a former first round quarterback who had potential he just got hurt so um Dak uh deck deck might be in trouble <laughs> uh, yeah I think he's drunk. It's, it's rising. Like I said, you giving him, you know, another 40, $50 million extension just to get bounced. You've had three years. You've been in the system three years, and you still haven't produced playoff wins. Uh, You, you can say, oh, the defense this, the defense that. You still turned the ball over. Uh, You know what I'm saying? I, the defense didn't help you, but you didn't do your part by any chance at all either.
1: Yeah, especially when you talk about it being a momentum game. You know, so you, you sure. throw that pick six, you need to answer with points. You can't just go three and out. Like, that's you were at us.
2: home. Y'all, you were at home, undefeated. Your uh-huh. best season yet. I don't want to hear it. The lights come on, and I don't know where Dakota went to.
1: Well, that's, you know, that's the thing that surprised me most. It's like, I get it that you guys are down 21 0, but the amount of heads shaking, the amount of heads down, I was like, you guys are still in this ball game. Yeah, it's an ugly deficit early, but that's the key point. It's early. For how good you guys were all season, there's no means to believe that you're out of this game. Uh, and that's the way it seemed to go. just felt like they kind of gave up right then and there. Of course, Jordan Love really peaking at the perfect time of the season adds a lot to the Packers. The Packers are scary right now. The Lions are scary. The NFC North as a whole seems like it's getting a little bit better. Um, we'll see what happens with the Bears. But yeah, I kind of yeah. looked at that Cowboys game the same way I looked at Fields in that Green Bay Packers game. And what didn't mean as much for the Bears? I'm mean, like, you know what, Fields? If you want this job, if you want to be the guy, and you want to let the coaching staff, all the fans of Chicago know that I am here and I am the future. You got to ball out in this game. You got to find a way to beat the Bear that is the Green Bay Packers. Doesn't I, happen. I
2: hope, I hope the Bears trade away that number one pick. I I, I really hope they don't move on for, from Fields. I like them a lot, um, but I, honestly, it also might be you know a good thing to you know turn the page and, and start somewhere new but uh mm-hmm. i don't think he's the problem there no and I don't think there. The, the problems that he that he's having i think you know they'll still be there with a the rookie guy yeah so we we'll, we'll, we'll see i'm 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 anxious to see about that um you know the Raiders, at least they got we,
1: options you know they're not the panthers they got options you know there's there's a road to salvage this thing into a real contender and i do have a feeling that they're going to keep field simply for the fact that they kept Iberflus. I think if you're going to go that route, you're probably going to get a new head coach with the new quarterback and just kind of reset. Uh, but they kept Eberflus, which makes me think between Poles, Eberflus, and Fields. So there's, there's
2: as, as, as as a Bears fan, what would you like to see? Like, what is your dream? You know, what, what do you want to happen? And In you, your you're perfect world, what do they do?
1: I think we keep Fields. We use the picks that we got. I, I don't think you trade that number one pick away again I mean that's crazy you do that two years in a row you don't get a ton of shots at that um I think you hold on to him that being said if I'm pulled there is a number and as we're seeing teams in the NFL get desperate for a quarterback there's a lot of quarter teams out there that would love to take Justin Fields over a Dak Prescott simply because Fields still has the potential Prescott you've kind of seen it blow up in the playoffs too many times so there's a lot of value there and especially in a year where the the quarterback class is loaded um there's a lot of options, so I, I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm keeping Fields no matter what. There might be a crazy number, and you don't want to be so blinded uh, by just trusting one guy that if someone's giving you potential picks, more guys and a quarterback on top of it, there might be another move where there's a number so big you just can't say no. So if,
2: so if they keep Fields, who's the number one pick? Who 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 what? What do the Bears need?
1: Oh, you're Is it
2: an offensive lineman. Is it another receiver?
1: It'd be silly to take Caleb Williams because you're just taking another guy that does what Fields does well, scramble and extend the play, except he's a little slower. So, I mean, it just, Caleb Williams is a Fields, but a little less athletically talented. Fields at Ohio State showed all the accuracy that Caleb Williams had. It just hasn't panned out quite the same in the NFL. Caleb Williams could be the exact same story. You go with Drake May, uh, you get a pocket passer. I think McDaniels is argu- arguably might be the best one in the mix. Just because so. the defense didn't help so. him out. Offensively, LSU was good, and he did a lot. Hopefully,
2: hopefully he falls to the Raiders. That—that—that's what I need the Raiders (laughs) to do. But okay, so if if Field stayed, then who does the Bears pick? Who do you want at one? If Field is there.
1: If Fields is there, well, you probably you can probably trade the number one pick then for a team that definitely needs a quarterback. But I think the first player you get off the board, you're gonna go for Marvin Harrison Jr. If he's there, you get another because I mean you get DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr., you start to look a little bit like the Miami Dolphins, except you got a quarterback with the insane wheels on top of it. So now you got two uh really tough deep threats. I still like Darnell Mooney. He's a nice player. Forgot about Claypool already. You had you had some of those players to the mix, and you got a quarterback in Justin Fields. That offense begins to look a lot scarier. Uh, obviously, if there's blue chip linemen later down the road, you, you always grab as many blue chip linemen as you can and you keep working on that defense. The defense is hard to kind of tell right now because they're young. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a personnel problem or if it's just they're younger. They're because they did play a lot better. They started to lead the league and turnovers down the stretch. So I don't know. You know, obviously add some pieces there, but I don't think it's as big a priority as people think. I just think they're young, kind of like what the Packers were. Young team, yes. second half of the season, they played really well. But again, yep. I'll say it. You got options if you're a Bears fan. Um, if you're a Raiders fan, you got some hope at least. Antonio Pierce, I think he should be the guy. I'm going to say that much. I think uh, what he did with that roster, I'd be pretty happy if you got McDaniels and uh, Pierce running that ship down there. But we got to go ahead and throw it to break. I we got Nebraska basketball leading Rutgers 65-58 to 58 on the road with about six minutes, 20 seconds left to play here in the second half. We'll have Jake Bokovan on the post game for that one as well, and I believe uh, Eric Strickland should be joining. So don't go anywhere. Plenty left here on Ticket Weeknights. I'm Harrison Barnes on the ones and twos. Host as always, Demorne Pearson. Now streaming in. We'll talk to you guys in a little bit.
0: This is the Don't Punt Hour on ninety three seven The Ticket and the Ticket Here is your host, Demorne Pearson.
1: Alright, welcome back in. Final segment of the Don't Punt Hour with the Pierce. Now, the host is always streaming in. I'm Harrison Arns on the ones and twos back here at the 1040 Ticket Studios. We got Nebraska basketball on the TV as they are currently just holding on with a five-point lead as Steve Feichel in the Rutgers uh, basketball team tries to pull back in this game with about four minutes left to play here. Um, it looks like they did get a stop there. So again, Nebraska with a five-point lead and we will have Era, Eric Strickland and Jake Boxman on the postgame. It looked like Rink Bass actually got called for a travel there. So turnover, uh, it's getting close here. Can't afford it, but we will keep you updated on that one as it's nine turnovers to Rutgers 10. Uh, in the meantime, though, I kind of want to keep sticking here with some of this NFL stuff as we got going here. When we're getting to these playoffs, the morning personnel, we got some interesting matchups headed our way here. We got the Texans, Ravens, Packers, Niners. Okay, Ravens, no question. I think that one's easier. I don't think anyone's stopping the Ravens. This, to me, seems like the Ravens' Super Bowl year. Who do you got stopping the Ravens?
2: Them. Themselves. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so we agree there. Packers, 49ers. Does this Jordan Love, uh, we when going to call it a Cinderella story, come to a grinding halt?
2: It will Uh the the 49ers are, 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 dream killers. They're, they they, I don't, I don't think it will be close. They're too physical, too fast. They got a lot of problems. Like they got, they got too much. I don't, I don't, I think it'll be too much for, uh, for, for, for the G men,
1: for the Packers. All right, let's go to the journeymen then in Baker Mayfield uh, playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about it. They just beat the Eagles an Eagles team that maybe didn't put their best foot forward, but, the Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers definitely did as they seem to be peaking in the right moment. Shout out to Trey Palmer uh, for getting some highlights. on what was a 56 yard reception makes the first lions. guy. miss, turns on the burners lions. No question. You think it's close? No. Let's see that one. Yeah. That one's in the lions will be hosting that one as well. So that will be a tough no. game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I might roll with Baker mania one more time. Just cause I, I like that. I, I think, uh, Conditions-wise, doesn't really do them any favors, but we see it all the time with football. You just want to be peaking at the right moment. Uh, The Chiefs happen to catch it right at the very end with Mahomes figuring some things out in Mahomes fashion. And then, of course, the Bills right on cue. They're peaking at the right moment. Uh, Same thing with the Buccaneers, though. Might work out for them as the lines have been a little bit up and down towards the end. Last game, the game that's probably going to have the most storylines headed into it, Chiefs head to Buffalo. Why are you going with the Bills on that one? Uh,
2: because I feel like everything's right. They they've always been, they've always drawn the short end of the stick. Uh a home playoff game against Mahomes. Uh that's become a bit of a rivalry between them. I understand, you know, they haven't been when, when it counts, they've lost. But during the regular season, uh the Bills have had the better of them. Um I I I I, I think, you know, that they, they turn the page on this one.
1: So it's a straight chalk weekend for the morning personnel as you're going for the Ravens, 49ers, the Lions, Bills, not going for, but picking. Uh, is there any of those that you're a little worried about out of all those four games that you picked? Which one are you least certain about? Cause that Chiefs Bills game to me, it feels like it's still going any other way. Mahomes is a guy that is almost impossible to count out at times.
2: Uh, That would, that would be the one. Um, and then the, the lions one, like I, I with Jared golf, Jared golf makes me nervous. Yes. Like he so, he, sh- he showed flashes of it and I'm just like, okay. Like, yeah, you, you still ended up making it work, but it's like, you can't, you can't do that. Like you, that's again, it's a divisional opponent. They know each other real well. Um, I don't like that game that, that, that one, like I want the lions to win. I feel like the city deserves it. Um, I feel like they're the better team. Uh, it just depends, you know, which Lions show
1: up. Yep, and that's going to really decide it. And as you said, it kind of definitely felt like Goff was trying not to choke at the end of that game with the Rams, which is a little worrisome for watching these NFL playoffs. Wasn't necessarily the strongest finish, but he finds a way to get it done nonetheless. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. This has been the Don't Punt Hour. we got about three minutes left on the Nebraska basketball game. As soon as that clock hits zero, as they're currently up three with three minutes, 30 seconds left to play. We will throw it to Jake Bachman for the postgame show. But this is it for the Dumb Punt Hour. That is the morning, Peter Snell. I'm Harrison back here at the Ticket Studio. Don't go anywhere. We will talk to you guys on the postgame show in just a little bit.